0: hello everyone welcome to another episode of dope shit my therapist says a therapeutic wellness podcast hosted by ryan gaddy and lauren Fractor. we are two millennial therapists who enjoy having authentic conversations with real people who share their experiences and passions with a mental health twist conversations that inspire discovery of self
1: insight into deeper
0: spirituality and alternative ways to support mental health and wellness
1: as a reminder this podcast is meant for educational and informational purposes only All topics discussed on the podcast are from the viewpoint of our guests and their personal experiences. Information shared on the podcast is not a replacement for therapy, therapeutic advice, or medical treatment. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Dope Shit My Therapist Says. Today, we have on Allie and Rourke from Finding Mr. Height. From her TikTok and Instagram, Finding Mr. Height, Dating coach Allie is joined by her good friend, Rourke, to bring their positive and practical dating approach in podcast form. Allie's expertise and Rourke's 10,000 hours in the dating trenches allow them to tackle modern dating issues while helping listeners seek and attract the one that they're looking for. Follow along at Finding Mr. Height for even more content and find Allie's dating coaching programs at FindingMrHeight.com. We are so excited to have
0: them on the podcast today we find their content to be super relatable. And because I'm still in the dating world, I find Allie and Rourke's information to be helpful and just good content. So we really hope you enjoy this episode as much as we did. And we'll see you on the other side. Hello, Allie and Rourke. Thanks for coming on the podcast. I'm really excited to have you guys on. I just started following you and your podcast pretty recently. One of my friends, was telling me that I needed to look you guys up that you had really relatable content because I am in the dating world and so can completely relate to all of the bullshit that happens when you're on the apps and trying to navigate it and I was instantly like okay they they get it I totally love this so I'm so glad you guys are willing to come on and chat with us yeah we are so happy to be here excited
2: yeah I'm glad you're enjoying the content and that you're a new a new member of
0: the Finding Mr. Height crew Yes, definitely. And I'm always sending stuff to Lauren and she's not dating currently. She's, well, she is dating somebody, but she's not in the dating sphere.
1: Right. (laughs) But I remember it very well. So your content (laughs) has been awesome. I just listened to uh, one of your latest podcast episodes and I just feel like I'm sitting with friends, which is so great. No, we love that. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about where you're both from and how did you meet? So um, I'm originally from
3: California. We're both originally from California. Um, different parts. But we originally met working together um, in a totally different life than now, like 10 years ago, um, and kept in touch. And, you know, we were both, my cat's going to join us. Um, we, Logan, this is not the time. Um, we were both single and, you know, texting a lot as I started finding Mr. Height and, you know, relating to what was going on. And, and we thought, you know, let's, let's turn these conversations into a podcast. Let's see how that goes. And, it's going.
2: I'm dying at Allie's cat right now. I recognize that this is an audio medium, but there's some very funny visual happening right now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And it's totally relatable because I have a dog and she has made appearances visually and audibly on the podcast before. So I totally get it.
3: (laughs) Yeah. I usually set up in a different place and he doesn't have access to me, but where I am right now, he's like, Ooh,
0: They always sense that you're doing something important too. And they're like, Oh, I'm just gonna just gonna be a little distracting. Mine keeps making little grunting sounds on the floor like she's dying. Of course. Yeah. (laughs) I'm sure you don't take care of her at all. No. (laughs) So that's funny because your guys' story is sort of similar to ours. Um, Lauren and I are both from California. I moved to Connecticut about three years ago. um, And we met in grad school. So kind of work like and we also just had stuff we wanted to talk about and take our love mm-hmm. for mental health and talking to other people and make it into more of a chill relatable space. So it's kind of funny that we guys have that in common.
1: Where in California are you now? I'm in uh, Studio City. Area, oh, if you know that great.
2: Area. Yeah, yeah of course. we're close. I'm in Santa Monica.
1: Okay. We're close at eight in the morning but not at 4 p.m. Yeah yeah <laughs> and now the
2: traffic now the traffic is
0: back.
1: I do love Santa Monica though being by the water so nice. Yeah. I
0: sent Lauren the, the video you guys had about like your date where he wanted you to come into downtown. And I was like, oh, oh Lauren will man. totally get oh, this. Oh my
1: God. So her yeah. dating life. <laughs> yeah. I remember uh dating when I was living out here and how even going to the west side was such a stretch. And I would always try to find a middle place, yeah. uh, which is funny because my boyfriend actually lives on the west side. So I ended up forgoing that rule because you know, sometimes you have to do that. Uh well yeah. and we're gonna we're gonna get into that, but it seems like your podcast happened very naturally, and clearly you have a bunch of different dating stories to share, and uh, we kind of want to hop into that. So, yes. first question: uh, Why do dating apps suck? Do we think they yeah. suck, or do say, yeah, no, or do or do you think they suck? Was actually going to be my second question.
3: Yeah, no, I take issue with the premise of the question. <laughs> um, No, I think, and we've talked about this before. Like, I actually think that we are very lucky to be dating in a time when we have dating apps. Because if we think about, like not even our parent generation, but if we think about people that are 10 years older than us even, Brooke and I are both in our early thirties. Maybe I should have to say mid by now, but I digress, but, um... <laughs> I'm glossing over that. Yeah. But if we think about people that are even slightly older than us, they the available people for them were, was such a smaller pool than the available people for people who are dating now. And I I think that's a privilege. I mean, there are a lot of things that come along with dating apps that can be a struggle, but I would say that that benefit outweighs any of that. Rook, do you agree? Yeah, I
2: certainly agree with that. I think that anytime you're interacting with people, it's hard, whether it be texting with friends or a guy that you've either just met or are in a relationship with relationships are tricky. And certainly I, I almost think we're just getting a higher level of exposure to that because dating apps make it really easy to date. And so you're just having sort of more interactions with people. Some, some are good, some are bad, and that can give it a bad rap,
3: but Ali and I are definitely on the same page that pro dating app. Yeah. And I think that your, your experience on a dating app, there's a lot of, you get in what you put mm. in, You get out what you put in rather. And I think that we always encourage a really positive approach to dating apps because, I mean, I know we've all seen the profiles that are all negativity and, you know, like say more than just hi, or like, please be able to carry a conversation. While I totally empathize with the negative experiences that drives those thoughts, having that, I think can be a self-fulfilling prophecy, having those thoughts and, you know, they manifest themselves, I think. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, that perspective, I think of, you know, it may not just be the apps. It's really just the fact that we have so many more people that we're shuffling through where other generations and they're dating, they're meeting people through things that already connect them, like work or, or friends or family or going out and doing things. And so on the apps, you don't have that. You're not starting off necessarily when you swipe on somebody with the premise that you already have something necessarily in common or that like really that connects you so, more so than just them saying like, oh, I really like to go hiking or something yeah. along those lines. Absolutely. Do you feel like there are certain apps that get it more right than others on helping people navigate that process?
3: Definitely. I think that I think that the more apps that facilitate a little bit more conversation. So I think Hinge did this best first. Um, With a better user base, I think OkCupid has probably been doing it the best for a long time, actually, in terms of like the amount of conversation starters that they're providing. Unfortunately, they're kind of fighting an uphill battle in terms of their user base. But I think that apps like Hinge, like Bumble are, if you take it, are providing much more jumping off points for conversations to start.
1: I'm curious, uh, Rourke, on your opinion for LA dating. Have you found one app to be better than the other for you personally?
2: I use both Bumble and Hinge and my relationship to them sort of ebbs and flows. I find that I have... I have much just sort of higher engagement rates on Bumble. I find that I get more, I get more matches. I have more conversations and I'm not entirely sure why, because I think there is substantial overlap where I've matched with a guy on Hinge, but then we've talked on Bumble. It's like very strange. I can't figure out how the same group of people are kind of acting differently or why the app is not generating sort of the same level of turnover. Um, maybe it's because for hinge to be free, you get stopped out after a certain number of swipes, whereas Bumble free, you do not. Is that correct, Allie?
3: Yeah. Bumble, you do eventually, but it's not, it's not nearly as much as hinges, but I wonder for you Rourke, if you have more success on Bumble, because I think this is true for me because you're consistently starting the conversation on Bumble and you start the conversation really well. Oh, interesting. on hinge, it's a combination. I know that you do comment on people's photos too but yes I never only like that is my no. policy because I expect that in return so I have to then live it agreed same but I feel like for me on hinge when a guy is starting the conversation with me first of all they're usually just liking because most people that's just not just a guy thing most people on hinge I have found through my like coaching clients are not commenting
2: mm-hmm.
3: but I think the conversations I have on bumble are better right away because I mm-hmm. start them
0: mm-hmm. that's super interesting yeah that makes a lot of sense i don't know why my brain didn't go to that place my first instinct was like i almost feel like bumbles a little more inviting because of like the color scheme and like the way like the (laughs) visual aspect of it there's like a little bit less going on and like you kind of you know and we're on hinge it's like there's kind of more and then it's just like this white background i don't know why that was my first thought of like just like visually appealing and feeling more comfortable staying on it longer but that is true on Bumble, you're, you're, you're starting all the conversation. So you have more yeah. of a chance with that person interacting.
3: I also think there's a hesitancy. And I, I hear this from people all the time when they're getting back out onto dating apps, there's a hesitancy with hinge because you send a like to someone or a comment to someone, not knowing if they like you. So it's, you have to put yourself out there in a sense, even though you don't have to like observe the interaction. Like I don't have to see him seeing my like and saying like, "Mm, no, Um, but you still have to send that like. And so there's more of a tendency on Hinge, I think to be passive because you can be passive and just like let likes come in to whatever degree they are. But on Bumble, you can't be, but you also don't have to put yourself out on a limb because they will only know you like them if they also like you.
1: Mm that makes a lot of sense. Have either of you tried coffee meets bagel?
2: I did when I lived in New York years ago and um I can't remember. I think I went on a couple dates from it, but I haven't done it in years. However, apparently Jason Mansukis is on it, um and he's my dream
3: man, so I might have to get back <laughs> get on it. I've been on I used to be on Coffee Meets Bagel. I've been on one Coffee Meets Bagel date and we went on like three or four dates. So it was successful, but I just felt like Similar to what Rourke was saying about Bumble and Hinge, the crossover, at least here in New York, was very high, and it was just such a small group of people that it didn't make sense to, like, spend additional time on another app.
1: Yeah, I I feel the same way about L.A. Ironically, I mean, I've tried all the apps when I was dating. Um, I've been with my boyfriend a year and a half, but we met on Coffee Meets Bagel, and I met my ex on Coffee Meets Bagel, and so- i got to get on Coffee Meets Bagel. What the heck? I- I think coffee meets bagel. I mean, I think here's the thing, like, of course there's going to be crossover. I definitely experienced that where I'm like, oh great, we already went on a date and you're liking me on this app too. I don't know if you've had that experience, but like, it's so annoying to me. (laughs) I think I'm actually
3: on the other end of that more often than not. I've had like several phone throwing moments, we call them on the pod, where I've started a conversation with someone and he's responded like, you know, we've been out. Oh my (laughs) gosh. I'm So I'm that person.
0: So <laughs> I always wonder about that. I've had that happen so many times, especially this one guy, we went on a date probably soon after I moved here. So it's been like three years ago now, and he's liked me on so many different, Apps that I've been on, and he, I I even ran into him in a public once, and he was talking to me, and I'm like, does this guy not remember me? What? So the other day I saw him on Bumble, and I'm like, you know what? I don't really remember why the first date didn't work out. Like I'm gonna give it another try. Maybe I was just in a different headspace. So I swiped, we matched. I start talking to him, and um, I, I think I might have actually put this on on our outline. Um, he starts sending me um, voice messages instead of instead of typing, and that's the first time that's ever happened to me. And I'm like, oh okay, we're listening to things. So, and if I didn't respond right away, it would be like, he would type a bunch of stuff and then he would send another voice message and I would finally respond when I could. And then it would just sit, kind of that pattern would continue and continue. And I was like, okay, I kind of remember now why it didn't work out. He was just very like eager and not giving enough space to, he would like ask me a ton of questions. Like, uh, what's your favorite this? And then if I didn't answer, he would be like, and where would you want to go? And he would just like And I'm like, I haven't answered the first question yet. Uh, But yeah, I always wondered, like, does he remember that we went on this date like a couple of years ago? That's interesting. I
3: like a voice memo. Yeah. Like Rourke and I have talked about how when I hear someone's voice, if I like their voice, Mm
0: -hmm. that it
3: like, it feels intimate somehow. Like I am immediately sort of drawn
0: to this person, but not like what you're saying. That's too much. It threw me off right away. And I don't, know why like at first I was like very turned off by him sending a voice message and I don't know if it was because he wasn't like hey you want to use voice message or you know like it was almost like maybe I wanted consent first even though it's not that big of a deal
3: (laughs) I've actually been toying with starting a challenge for myself where for a week I do my bumble opener in voice memo form Uh I like that I think I'm gonna do it and see what happens
1: yeah you should yeah all right One of the best parts about dating, um, when I was on the apps and you know, I personally, I have a love hate relationship with the apps. Um, obviously when I was dating, but I had almost every date I've ever been on except for two through dating apps, any relationship I had was through dating apps too. So, I mean, I'm very well versed in them. I used to do little challenges for myself and be like, let's see if I send the first message, okay, let's see if I choose the place. And because it became kind of like a game, do you ever feel like it's like a game to you? No, in the sense that like, I think, I don't like to think of it
3: as a game because then it, maybe I'm not taking it seriously and what I'm looking for is something serious. But I do, I think I think a challenge is a little bit different than a game for me. Like a challenge is like, let's try to push myself to push myself out of my comfort zone try something different. See if that thing that's different gets traction towards my goal, which is finding a partner. Um, whereas a game I think has like a little bit more of a casual
1: aspect to it. Oh, yeah. Roughly, I, I,
2: think. I, I personally am going, am challenging myself to ask somebody out in person once a week and I'm terrified. <laughs> I'm not doing that. <laughs> I almost did it. Ali. I almost did it today. I was studying. Almost. I studying, I, well, because he walked away. Um, so it didn't seem like a good option. I was studying outside and I have a bunch of stickers on my laptop and um, I love to cook. So a lot of them are food related and I noticed the guy looking at the back of my laptop, and so I assumed he was looking at the stickers, whatever. He gets up to leave, and we sort of make eye contact, and he says, I really like your stickers, and I said, oh, thank you, and he said, do you work in food, and I said, no, I'm a lawyer, but I love to cook, and he's like, okay, and I was like, are you just looking for a chef, then? Like, what is, (laughs) apparently he did not want to date someone who doesn't work in food, so he moved along, but, but yeah. That was, I was close. You were close. Uh, I'll push it over the edge next time. Yeah, you
0: got this. <laughs> he did not like that answer. <laughs> yeah. That is hard. And well, I didn't do it in person, but we did um, an episode with Case Kenny. Do you guys know who yeah. Case Kenny is? Yeah. Yeah, he's um, the one Rourke, and- who puts up with the post-its. Yeah. Have you seen that? Oh, yes, yes, he's yes. He does the podcast, New Mindset Who dis? hmm. So he encouraged me to ask out this guy that I, I like at work. And I have not done that in a long time. Um, and although I wanted to do it in person, like the, the moment was just never right. Like a, I work at a high school. So a student would come up like right at the wrong moment or whatever. So I, I got impatient, and asked him out over Instagram um, and basically got rejected. So now I'm <laughs> trying to heal so I can try to do it again with somebody, somebody different in the future. But it's scary. It is but I'm, I'm glad you did it. I am glad you did it. That's awesome. You shot your shot. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. I did. I did. I tried. Hopefully one day he'll, he'll like me back, but it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> so when it comes to dating profiles, what in your guys's opinion is like the best way to start out building your profile and kind of representing
1: yourself
0: in a really positive way?
3: Oh, there's so much. Um, I do, a, I do a whole like coaching program on this. Um, I think that, It's all like we were saying about the negativity thing. It's all about framing things positively and also being about you and not about the other person. So like, nobody wants to see a profile that's like, be this, be this, be this. Like, Oh, you're already telling me what to be. And we haven't even met. Um, so I think those are like kind of my first two pillars is be positive and focus on you work. What do you think?
2: Yeah. I, um, I actually just helped a friend. She had been hesitant. She was really waiting for like to be fully vaccinated and to like feel good dating again. And so she just built a bumble profile and I was going through it with her. And the way I framed it to her is I like to think of your answers to prompts as essentially like conversational clickbait. where what is a way, what is a very easy way to get somebody to engage with you? And also she has an incredible sense of humor. And yet a lot of her, her answers to the prompts were very, just like sounded like a high school kind of essay thesis. Mm -hmm. And I was saying like, Mel, like be you, you know, like this, you are so funny and you have an amazing sense of humor. Add, you know, the TikTok meme, like add a little spice. And, um, so I think like, be true to yourself, be true to your voice and be specific about little things that somebody might want to engage with. Like what's your favorite fast and furious franchise movie. And why is it the fifth one? You know, like something like that. I'm
3: I'm a big fan of stuff like that. Yeah. I think the more specific you can get the better, like so many people will have that they like to travel. Like, okay. So where do you like to travel or tell me like a really specific thing of like oh that time i you know fell off a horse while i was riding in the ocean or whatever like being super super specific like you know they say it on tiktok like niche down like take your profile and niche it down and you don't need to appeal to every single person you just need to appeal to you know the people that you're trying to attract the much smaller group
1: i like that a lot i feel like it's such a I'm using the word basic, but basic idea to, to, to do that. And yet I've seen so many profiles of exactly what you were saying, Allie, of basically the, the person telling their matches, like what they want this person to be, Mm -hmm. it should really be about like what you're looking for and who you are rather than what you're not looking for. It's so such a basic idea. And yet I feel like it goes over so many people's heads.
3: Yeah. Well, especially because people are really bad at, people are not very self-aware and they're very bad at self-selecting in general. So like, let's say that you write in your profile, I'm looking for someone with a good sense of humor. Like very few people are going to read that and think like, well, I don't have a good sense of humor. I probably should say no to this person. Like I'm a
2: very maudlin
3: person. I should swipe left. (laughs) Or like, I'm looking for somebody who's kind, who's going to read that and be like, I'm an asshole, better swipe left. Like people aren't doing that. And so while you think you're speaking about what you want, it's not actually getting you anywhere.
1: Have you noticed a higher engagement when
3: you are more specific? Oh yeah, this is like like the example that Rourke said, the *Fast and the Furious* movie. Like somebody's going to pick up on that. I like to ask direct questions in my prompt, um, like, "Do you want to do this?" or, you know, "What would you pick between this and this?" Things that make it really easy for somebody to just answer the question, and now you've started the conversation for them, sort of, even though they're technically starting.
2: Yeah. I, I have in my profile, the prompt is um I think the on hinge, the one I use is um I get along best with people who, and then the version on Bumble is um, we'll get along if like it, yeah. they're very similar analogous ones, but, and then it's two like internet videos that I think are very funny. And so a lot of people will Google them, watch them and then say like what they think or like I remember that SNL sketch, it's so funny or, you know, whatever. So like, I I think stuff like that, like this TikTok meme or just anything like that is a good place to start.
0: Yeah. And I think seeing people's profiles that do that, like gives you an instant awareness of, okay, they're actually putting the effort. And this means that they're, they're looking to engage with me and want to have full conversations. Um, and I, what is your guys' opinions on the massive amount of people who don't put anything in their profile or put you know, the ask me or just talk to me about it, things along those lines? Do you find those to be so, instant red flags? Those are two very different things. Somebody who
3: didn't put anything in their profile, for me, it's like, ah, I'll still match with you if I think you're cute and I like what you're, what's going on in your pictures and I'll start a conversation. And if you are continue to be dull like your profile was then we won't stop speaking. The other one, so that to me is not a red flag. It's like a we'll see. The other one of the like ask me or those kinds of things, it's not a deal breaker per se, but I think that's actually worse because the amount of time that they spent writing ask me, they could have written something else.
1: Totally. That's so true and really funny actually when you think about it. Okay, so you match with someone and You know, you're chatting and then they ask you, what are you looking for on here? What do you say?
2: Wow. You're asking all the right questions for this podcast. (laughs) We have strong stances on this. I I will say, I mean,
1: Ryan and I have been dating uh, for a very long time and we've been those girls who, you know, went out of our way, tried the apps when people were afraid and couldn't do it. So we, we uh, feel you on that.
2: Yeah. Um, want to take this one. Yeah. So first of all, we please ask uh, the listening audience, do not send that, especially as an opening message. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, so we are, we are against that. Obviously you cannot control for receiving it um, unless you can like incept somebody. But I think that that question is not going to get you any, or I, I think I speak for the pod as a whole, that question is not really going to get you what you want um, unless the, like the, there are badges on Bumble, right. That say, I don't know in a relationship yep. or not, it, it, or is searching for a relationship. Um, and, ooh, yikes. Anyway. Um, <laughs> and, um, something casual, whatever hinge. I can't quite remember what the options they, are. are. They there... don't have any looking for options. Interesting. Okay. So like you have some gauge of it on Bumble potentially, right? So I personally swipe left on something casual. That's, but that's not asking. That's reading what they've chosen to select as their desired relationship status. And then I think you should not ask because you have absolutely no rapport built with this person. They, the answer you're going to get is completely useless in terms of like garnering information about I think what they actually want. Save, save that type of conversation. Still not phrased that way but save that conversation about what you want, how you see the relationship going for much later down the line.
3: Yeah. But you can't control receiving it. Right. So if you do receive it, I usually say like Rourke and I both say something along the lines of like, we're looking to date intentionally and, you know, see where that goes, but that doesn't necessarily mean with that person. And that's one of the reasons why I don't like that question too. Just like Rourke said, it's like, Yes, I'm looking for a partner. I'm looking for a relationship, but I don't know if that's with the person in front of me who's asking me this question. I have no idea at that juncture typically.
1: Yeah.
0: It definitely sets you up or sets people up to maybe not be as truthful as they want to, to get defensive or to get anxious about what's the right way to respond, you know, because there's that kind of like, fear around, if I say I'm looking for a relationship, is that going to scare the other person off because they think that I'm going to just grab the first person in front of me. And and currently it's them, you know? Um, So I definitely agree. I really dislike that question. It makes me uncomfortable. My follow-up question is, is, what are your guys' thoughts on when people are not truthful about that badge they use on Bumble? So it says relationship and after a date or some conversation, they're like, actually, I'm just looking for like casual hookups or just casual dating. Don't do that. So
2: I will say, (laughs) I think what can happen, certainly, obviously don't lie. That's a great. Mm -hmm. Right. Tenet to move forward with, but it's entirely possible, right? That I I'm looking for something serious and yet I, th- this is hypothetical. I'm not looking to do this at all, but you might meet somebody and say like, you know what? I'm a, i might I could have something casual with you. Like I would, I don't have sex with you, but like, I don't want to date you. And so it, it's entirely possible. You could come to that conclusion about somebody and say, you know, I view you in this way. I'm still going to look for a relationship from somebody else. But I view you in this way. Would you want to engage in that type of dynamic? And then you can say no, thank you. And so I do. I just want to be careful about saying it's a lie versus sort of circumstance that that, that people have met and they change what they want out of that person.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I think that the person who's saying that is probably. I mean, again, hopefully they weren't lying on their profile but it sounds like the way that they're pitching it to you in this hypothetical scenario is that they were lying in a sense because they don't want to tell you that they are looking for a relationship, but it's not with you. Mm. So like Mm -hmm. what I would prefer is for that person to say what Rourke said and be more upfront about the fact that while that is their ultimate goal, that's not what they see the dynamic of this situation being. But I think most people are not direct enough to say that and thus they say that they're not really looking for a relationship right now even though they are Abstractly, mm-hmm. yes thank you for adding that that's that's good
1: yeah That was one of the hardest pills to swallow in learning how to date online was seeing something like that, going on a date with someone, them not communicating that they're not interested in you and you just having to figure out for yourself that that's they do want a relationship, but it's not with you. Our follow up question to that one. It's so funny. It's like naturally progressing the way that we uh, intended when it comes to ghosting. And we could talk about ghosting forever, but like, why do people, why do you think people find it so difficult to just tell you they're no longer interested in dating you? We both work in the mental health field. We could talk about it from a mental health perspective. Obviously, if we're, if we're just talking about ghosting and saying, well, obviously these people don't have self-awareness or, you know, fill in the blank, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on, on why you think people ghost instead of just being honest. I yeah. think
3: Allie's, Allie is, should take us to church on this one. <laughs> We did a whole episode on this, actually. It's called The Disappearing One. I don't remember the episode number off the top of my head, but I also have a bunch of text scripts about ghosting. Um, I write text scripts, which are basically like frameworks that people can use in what could be anxiety-inducing, thank you, episode four, um, The Disappearing One, that people can use in what might be anxiety-inducing situations, like they aren't interested in somebody anymore but don't want to ghost them, or they have been ghosted. Um, But getting at your question... I think people ghost because it is the easiest socially acceptable option because we have accepted it as a society, given that most people don't call it out and not calling it out is tacit acceptance. So even when people say like, oh, I, you know, I hate ghosting, you know, it's unacceptable. You've accepted it by not saying anything. So I think the best thing you can do in a scenario where you've been ghosted is call it out.
0: I actually did a challenge for myself, I'm using the word challenge, a couple of dates ago because I had two guys back to back that I had amazing dates with in my, my mind. Like we just really hit it off. It felt like it was really going somewhere. We had a lot in common, it made out, like it was great date. And then nothing afterwards, like no text message, nothing. So because of like the the whole like, oh, we kissed and all of that, like, I'm like, you know what, I think I'm going to call out and see what, what's going on here and say, I feel like I deserve at least you telling me you're not interested. So I did. And I got responses from both of them. The first one made up an excuse as to why he didn't respond. Like, oh, I thought I sent you a text message, blah, 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 blah. And then, you know, kind of continued to like slowly fade out again. The second one didn't respond. And then a week later responded and was like, you're right. Basically I was a shithead and I really want to apologize for my behavior. I was like, Thank you for okay. at least accepting the fact that you could have made a different choice in how you behaved. So I was yeah. proud of myself so,
3: for that. Yeah, good for you. So after both those dates, you had reached out to them and never heard back? Yep. Yeah, that's ghosting. So I often the reason I asked that question is because a lot of people, mostly women, will say like, I never heard from him after our date. He ghosted me. I'm like, he also never heard from you. Right. So no, he didn't.
0: Yeah, it like, has to be you have to try to engage again after the date. So that person's like, oh, they go, you know, if they're, you're both believing that you ghosted each other, but really no one took the initiative to reach out. Really? No, I reached out to both of them and just, you know, said, hey, how's it going? And then silence.
3: Yeah, well, good for you for calling it out because I think that people think that it's, and I actually, I did a, like, I did a video recently on like declining a date that you've already agreed to or declining a second date after you've been on a first and so many people commented that they would rather be ghosted than receive that message. And I think that that just speaks to how we as a society have, have just had this like ingrained fear that people aren't going to like us. That if somebody yes. doesn't like us, it's there's a problem with us. Meanwhile, like not everybody should like you. That's a problem, actually. If every single person likes you, that's an issue. Because in my opinion, that means that you're like, changing who you are and ingratiating yourself to every single person because we shouldn't click with everybody, especially not romantically. Chameleon dating vibes. Yeah, exactly. Like if every single person thinks that you're their person, there's no way
1: that's not possible. I'll admit that I used to do that for sure because I was going on four or five dates a week. I was just lining them up and it i mean it definitely took its toll on me but i remember just like being with people and maybe we had a good time and then it's still not being what i wanted right so i'm like why did i do that just to be liked for what like this guy isn't even my match
3: yeah i mean i am absolutely in my 20s i would say like definitely have worked through a lot of that you know people pleasing need to be liked um aspect of what i think a lot of us have in some part but I was, I was honestly shocked at the percentage of people who we should actually do a a poll on this, but the percentage of people who said that they would rather be ghosted than be told the person wasn't interested. It was crazy to me. I
1: I can't believe that because for me, it's like, I don't want to cause myself more internal anxiety by not hearing from this person for days. Cause my friends who are currently dating will come to me and kind of start ruminating about this. And I'm like, it would be so much easier. You know, I feel for them, but it would be so much easier if they received a text, like, Hey this was fun, but I'm not interested rather than them coming to me for advice. And I'm like, I don't want to tell you what to do because what works for me might not work for you. And then I feel like I'm stuck in it too, you know, feeling for my friend and, you know, once being in that position before. So,
3: yeah. And I do think that this is one of the pitfalls of dating apps that many of the people, if not all of the people that you're going on dates with, you have zero connection to them other than that dating app. And so it can feel even easier to ghost somebody because there are no consequences. Although this is coming from somebody who, a, a mutual friend I was dating just tried to ghost me. And I was like, sir, we have a very close mutual friend. You won't be ghosting me. Oh my me. gosh,
1: seriously. But like,
3: that's, that's, not, that's very abnormal. He's weird. Um, mostly when you're <laughs> like on dating apps, you, you could ghost someone and never have to interact with them or, or face the consequences of that shitty behavior ever again.
1: Right. And and do you agree, you know, that if you're talking to someone and you're just not feeling it, you can unmatch them without a response, or do you feel like it warrants a response before unmatching? Depends on what happened.
3: Brooke, I'm curious to get your thoughts too. But like if we're just so first of all, if they haven't done anything like explicitly wrong, I don't unmatch because on most dating apps, even if they tell you they don't, you will see them again. Yeah. <laughs> So I I don't generally unmatch. I generally just kind of like stop responding if I'm not feeling it. And I don't think it's ghosting if you haven't been out or if you didn't have a date scheduled. Yeah. I'm not an unmatcher either
2: for that very reason. Um, There's no need to put them sort of back in the queue. Um, Again, you can't control if they unmatch you because you didn't respond. But, But yeah, I typically just sort of like fade out. I mean, I'm sure this happens to people in a million different places in the country and internationally as well but obviously like something that will happen is somebody will like come to la for any type of reason and then we match and then all of a sudden they are 500 miles away yep. Like, excuse me mm-hmm. <laughs> and so then i will like i'll typically not uh, uh, then i'll stop because i'm like well you don't live here as it turns out right right i'm currently
3: talking to a guy who lives in oregon because
0: I'm of that
1: he's right. super funny i
0: love that come to come to the west
3: coast yeah, yeah. he's considering moving to new york so you know okay i'm just gonna get myself embroiled and in, emotionally invested in this guy who may or may not move to my city we'll
0: see that actually just happened to me as well i um matched with this guy who is a pilot and he was literally like flying over connecticut and we matched uh wait a second he's on bumble in the plane well Planes he, fly was, themselves. He, he was landed. he was landed he <laughs> He, he comes to Connecticut and, um, and Boston, but then I was like telling him, I was like, your, your Bumble profile doesn't actually have a location on it. How does that even work? Like, it doesn't say anything. There's nowhere, like he has no location. And he told me like he, where, he lives in Texas and, uh, but he, but he's like hoping to move to new England because he's sick of like Texas heat, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, ah, oh, do I keep talking to this guy? Like, do I keep, you know, putting my energy into it? And I'm like, I don't know. I, what are the chances? So. Yeah, so I'll see if I want to keep putting in the effort. He seems like he's starting to kind of like trickle off anyways every so often, but he's actually, I'm actually going to be in California um, in two weeks. And he also is going to be in California. He has like a oh. flying thing and then he's staying in California for like a week and a half. So we're kind of discussing maybe meeting up in California just to see how it goes. So we'll see. We'll see. Maybe I'll have fun. a crazy date. If a pilot refers to having a flying thing, I was just well, what about in to the ask, world what is, is a flying thing? So I use that term. He did not use that term. So okay. a, I use the word "thing" a lot. If I can't come up with the right word, I'll, like people will make fun of me because I'll be like, "this this thingy thing." Um, so he's so a pilot. Yes. Yeah, he has a flight. <laughs> yes, yes, oh yes. <laughs> yes, he he works for FedEx, so he's not like a a person pilot, <laughs> whatever you call them. I don't think that's the commercial, commercial pilot. That's what I thought it was. I was like, "Mm, yeah, commercial. He's not a commercial pilot. He he flies for FedEx. So apparently he has to fly to California and then he's just there
1: for a week. So I remember when I was going on a lot of dates back in the day and I started to feel really pessimistic and jaded after just so many unsuccessful dates. What would you give our listeners who are going through the same thing? Um, Any words of wisdom or guidance
3: yeah. Dating fatigue is a real thing. Yeah. Very relatable. Yeah. Very relatable. And I think one of the things that I try to do for myself, because I mean, work and I are not immune to this. Um, I try to put less weight on the outcome of each individual date and think of it more like, you know, I'm just spending an hour, maybe two, but usually closer to an hour if I'm not having a good time. Talking to somebody, maybe learning something new, maybe finding a new restaurant I like or a new bar I like. Um, I'll give the example of last night. I went on a a truly terrible, honestly, in terms of the conversation, first date. But it was a walk in Prospect Park in Brooklyn. We had beers. We walked through the park on a lovely day with beer. Like, that wasn't bad, even though the conversation was pretty terrible. And it was an hour of my time. Yeah, Yeah, I like
0: that perspective for sure.
3: I totally agree. I had, there was
2: maybe two weeks where I had three really dud dates, first dates in a row. And I think that you always have a choice to take a break. You know, you, you do not have to be bullheaded and just sort of, you know, push through an immovable object. However, I do believe that there's a part of this that is I hate to use the word, but a numbers game where you just sort of do have to keep putting yourself out there to get the result you want. And to that end, I often find that if I have a couple bad dates, very soon after, there will be like somebody on the app that's like just great banter. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh, this is fun again. And it it just, because each one doesn't have so much weight to Allie's point, I can very quickly flip back into excitement because the downturn wasn't that bad. And so, yeah, I think that, you know, take a break or keep going. I think both are incredibly
3: viable options. Yeah, I agree. I'm not really one for breaks, but if that, um, I take breaks in the sense that like, there'll be times when I'm just not swiping as much because it's just not as top of mind for me to open the app and swipe. I'm not one for like, you know, deactivate my account or hide my account type of breaks. That really hasn't worked for me as much.
1: Yeah. When it
0: when it comes to our, like our listeners who have, you know, more anxiety or, you know, are dealing with some mental health stuff. And, you know, this can kind of like really weigh on them for different reasons, you know, what are your guys' opinions on mental health when it comes to dating? Should you bring it up at some point? How do you guys think that like bringing that into the conversation would look in a in a positive way?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think it it can very much depend on what we're talking about. Um, in terms of like the scale, the gravity, you know, all of that, but I think that in general, like mental health has been is at the forefront, I think, of conversations and out in more of a, an acceptable sphere, if you will, more than it ever has been. And I think it can be more of a, I don't want casual conversation per se, but I don't think it needs to carry this big weight in terms of talking to somebody about mental health in general. Like I go to therapy. I usually mention it on a first date. Um, I know Rook and I are major therapists. Um, yeah, Rook, what do you think? Yeah,
2: something that actually came up on an episode for us recently is the idea that just because you are comfortable in something about yourself doesn't mean that a person has to have access to that information equally to you. And so, even if you've made peace with your anxiety, your depression, anything like that, doesn't mean somebody is owed that right away. And so, I think it can really this is a, it can really be a personal call here where it can come out on a first date. It certainly doesn't have to, if you want to wait and build some trust and then share that, you know, you have like, I've, I've definitely dated somebody who revealed once we were exclusive that they take SSRIs or other anxiety medication. And I please like, 85% of the people I know do. I was like, cool, what else? And so like, for me, that's no big deal at all. And, but I'm sure other people have had different reactions. And so this person wanted to wait until they felt like there was some stability in our relationship to kind of reveal that about themselves. And I think that's totally fine.
3: Yeah. And I also will say that when you're thinking about sharing something with somebody, I would think about what are there things that you are going to be asking of them from a needs perspective, potentially driven by this thing that you're sharing, that they aren't going to know until you share it with them? So let's say that you you know, have anxiety surrounding certain aspects of dating or communication. You don't necessarily need to share the driving piece behind it in order to share the need that you have. But what you can't expect is for somebody to understand a need that you have without
0: telling them. Yeah. I think that's a really great point. It I definitely see it as like a very delicate balance of you know, holding that information dear to your heart and, and knowing when it's a good time to start sharing it. Like what you're saying, Allie, is are you sharing it because there's a need attached to it? Like I suffer from a lot of anxiety. And so for me, it's really helpful if when we communicate, like you could try to do X, Y, and Z, and then I'll try to do X, Y, and Z too. And having those conversations of like, because of this, like I, I need things to look a little bit different. And then asking if that's something that they can can kind of work with you on. And if they can't, then you having to kind of be okay with that. And I think that's a good driving force on how, how to bring up mental health and, and what ways to, to communicate about it. Because there's also people, you know, I think asking yourself like, well, why am I wanting to share this? What is the purpose behind it? And what's, what's the outcome I'm looking for is a good question to ask yourself too.
3: Yeah. We, the episode that we recorded this week, actually, which um, probably by the time this airs, will be out. Um, what is about grieving while dating. And I think that that ties in really nicely to what you're saying, Ryan, because so my dad passed away a few years ago. And so we talked about like, when I share that and, and what needs of mine have shifted due to that experience. And I think that that is exactly, it's exactly that it's that I do have needs that are slightly different. I have some like fear of loss type of stuff from that. Not as much anymore now as I did right after it happened, but I share that because it has needs attached to it.
1: This is very intentional. I'm just listening and I'm like, wow, it's just so like nice to hear of, of someone who is an intentional dater. I mean, both of you just like the, the self-awareness that's behind it um, because, and that of course comes with learning, maturity, age, mistakes, you know, learning from those mistakes. But to your point, Allie, I mean, it really, the, the need for sharing information makes a lot of sense. I've never thought of that that way of like why you're sharing. Yeah. People are mind readers,
3: you know, and, and I will say, I appreciate you saying that about our self-awareness, but I, I will say that that doesn't, first of all, it hasn't always been that way, but it isn't even always that way now with new things that come up. So I shared on the pod that we recorded this week that I met a guy like three weeks after my dad died and right before his funeral and we call him the aspiring sober vegan, this ex of mine. And I didn't realize at that time when we started dating how much my dad's death had impacted my anxiety in dating and my like anxious attachment. I see it now. And I know about it now for future relationships, but I certainly didn't in that one. And so I think giving yourself a little bit of grace too, to kind of have hindsight and look back and say like, Oh, interesting. Like this was probably coming up for this reason. And now I will do a be able to do a better job of articulating that to somebody. Yeah.
1: What what's really cool though about just like you know, being human is the fact that you don't know a lot until it's happening to you in that moment. So Mm -hmm. how are you supposed to know how you were going to respond when, because you've never been through that before. So the fact that you know that now when you're dating and as far as, you know, choosing what you want and don't want to share, it's just, there's a very intentional mindset behind it. And I feel like it's only going to benefit you during this process of dating uh, or benefit any of our listeners to really understand yourself and learn and, and grow with each experience.
3: Yeah. And also give yourself grace to not feel the same way about sharing that thing all the time. Yeah. Because that can shift not only based on how you're feeling that day, but also based on the person that you're with. Rourke said it really well when we recorded this week that some people are going to make you feel safer to share something sooner Oh yeah, based on, you know, maybe shared experiences or just based on how they're responding to you. And so even if it's something that you're always comfortable sharing, it's okay if you for some reason feel like you
0: aren't. Yeah. Trusting yourself with that for sure. Mm-hmm. And um, it's really makes me think about one of the relationships I had, you know, a couple, about a year and a half ago. And I went through some a big grieving process. I lost my dog and my, one of my best friend's child died all in the same week. And I was dating someone at the time. It was really early on. It was like, we have been dating for about a month or so. And I had revealed like a, a couple of weeks before that, that I dealt with anxiety and depression. And sometimes that's going to impact the way I interact in some ways. And so Um, we had that conversation and then when that trauma happened it was almost like I learned about him that that was not something he was able to show up for me with Mm -hmm. and that was a huge learning experience for me of like okay this is my first or second try kind of starting to have these mental health conversations with people I'm dating Um, and now having to accept that there's going to be times where people are going to have to be like I'm sorry I just can't and being like okay that just means you're not the right person for me and taking that and moving moving on yeah
3: Absolutely. Not every, you know, not everybody is going to be able to meet your needs. And also one person isn't going to be able to meet a hundred percent of your needs and that's okay too. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Are we ready for our little game? Yeah. We have a little game. Okay. (laughs)
0: It's not really a game. Is it a challenge or a game? (laughs) It's a game. This one's a game. I actually really like games.
1: (laughs) Okay, good. So this is a red flag or green flag. So we came up with a few different questions um, and would love your thoughts on if you think it's a red flag or a green flag. If a guy or girl says, I've never met anyone like you before, or you're not like other girls or guys. Um, that's a red flag. I've talked. I've talked. Yeah, <laughs> that's a red flag. I was going to say,
3: yeah. <laughs> Ali has spoken extensively on this topic. Go off.
0: Yeah, people also yeah, have major feelings about this topic. Yeah, we put it in there because I listened to your stuff on it, and I wanted you guys to be able to share about it on ours. And people who don't follow you, and hopefully, they will follow you after this. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hopefully. Um, so. I
3: I came out of the gate hard with red flag because it is not a green flag, but I don't know that it's necessarily that binary in the sense that I don't think the question itself is necessarily a red flag, but I don't like it um, because it's meant as a compliment, right? When someone says you're not like other girls, specifically that one, I really don't like. Um, And if it's a compliment, that must mean that other girls are not good. So if being not like other girls is a good thing, that means that the thing you're being compared to is not. And so it's inherently sort of putting down the rest of this group. And I don't take kindly to that. Um, But I also think it's a lazy compliment because can't you tell me the things that you love about me that you find different from other people? Why do we have to just say that I'm different? Feels lazy.
2: So I think that, I agree the the literal not like other girls is concerning. I think if somebody said to me, "I haven't met somebody who's able to perspective take like you before," I'm okay with that. Yeah, it's specific, and I also think that I think that there has been either via movie, TV, whatever, there has been training that people like to hear this, mm-hmm. and so there is a chance that this person is just being sort of performative, like isn't, this is a compliment, right? Like you're not like other people that I've met or dated. And so I I'd like to give some like kind of grace around it. And so that's why I do think, I I don't want to say it's like, you know, red flag. This is very concerning, you know, ears up, but like pay attention to what else, what other feedback this person's giving you.
3: Yeah. Because the other thing, when are they saying this is another important thing because that Phrasing or feeling or communication really early on can be very troubling if they are like that can get you into like a love bombing space. If somebody is trying to put all of the significance on this, I don't even want to call it a relationship, but on this, you know, fledgling relationship and you don't even know each other and they're using really vague, like Rourke said, like, oh, I think that that's a good thing to say, like, really vague things to make you feel like they're extremely invested. When really the reason it's vague is because they don't know you that well and can't give you a specific compliment.
0: Yeah, love all of that. Okay, our second one is, they ask you out on a second date while still on the first date.
2: Hmm. This is entirely contingent on if you like them or not. Um, (laughs) I do think, I think in general, this is a green flag in that if I like them, I would think this was amazing and would totally want to set it up. And then if I didn't like them, it's not a red flag. It's just an unfortunate thing that I now have to deal with.
3: <laughs> yeah. It's funny that you asked that question because I, I do um, ask many things on my Instagram on Fridays. And for the listeners, we are recording on a Friday and I got this question today and I haven't answered it yet. Um, so I'm actually going to film. I, it's on my list to film tonight. And somebody asked it, but it was phrased as should I not do this? Because is that overwhelming and pressure filled? Oh, nice. And yeah, it was lovely. Um, I don't have very many male listeners, but the ones that I do have are quite engaged and lovely. And he is one of them. And so my thought of what to respond is, I think it's great to express interest in going out again, I think where it can potentially feel pressure filled is if you're like, literally saying, "Hey, let's do this thing." Like you're trying to plan the second date on the first date if you are not 100% sure that the other person wants to do that.
1: That makes sense. And also, as you become more jaded, it's like, "Oh, great. Yeah, we're we're really going to go to the ball game next weekend." Sure. You know, then you're already setting yourself <laughs> up to like, you know, for failure potentially. I mean, I I hope that, you know, if you do accept a second date and you like this person that it happens. Yeah. But it's always hard. You know, people talk a lot. So talk big games. Yeah. I will also say
3: like slight sidebar on that question. If you receive that and you aren't into it, do not feel obligated to in-person say no, if you don't feel comfortable doing that.
1: Exactly. Okay. Next question. If they use the 24 hour extension on Bumble before it's even close to being time up. I think that's fine. Yeah,
3: neither. I, that's totally fine. Perhaps they just don't come on Bumble that often and they figure maybe they don't either. And so they want to give some more time. I think that, that people thinking that's weird comes from a place of feeling like it's desperate to like someone. And I really like to rail against that thinking because I think it's really hurtful and it puts us, like it causes a lot of issues for people when they think that expressing interest in somebody comes across as desperate. I don't like that.
0: They state in their profile that they are a washed up blank athlete. Have you guys seen that? I was going to say, I I do have that in your profile. (laughs) No, it doesn't say, it doesn't say washed up. It says, um, it says
3: I am an athlete who still plays all the sports despite my body's protests. Like literally my back is on fire. I don't think, I mean, for me, that would be a green flag because I fucking love athletes and I play a lot of sports, but I, I don't know, but it's probably more like neutral.
2: Yeah. To me, that's neutral. That's, um, Yeah. I that would not factor in in any in any right or left swiping for me that would be a yeah like if you're into sports continue like I am great
3: that's awesome I want somebody who plays sports
1: right okay they want to go on a date within the first day of matching and talking and also they want to go on a date that night Oh, that's very different.
2: That addition changes it. Cause I think that you could exchange a fair amount of messages in the first day such that you would feel good about accepting a date. But I personally live a life where I cannot make that happen. It is a rare day where I can make a that night invite happen. And not because I'm like playing hard to get or have some sort of rule about that. I just have like a life that I plan. And so for me, that's, It's not technically a red flag if they, for some reason, have a reason why, like, tonight, like, all of a sudden came free and whatever. Who knows? There's a scenario. But I am going to say, red, like, because we're playing a game, I'm going to say red flag because this tends to happen with people when they do it. And I say, I do want to go out with you, but I'm more of a planner. I need a couple days in advance. They say, amazing, same. And then I never hear. So I do think this is a red flag just because of how this has played out for me personally, that it's not, it, it is indicative of somebody who doesn't plan.
3: Yeah. There's so much context too, because like actually the guy that I went, went out with last night, we planned that date yesterday morning, but the context behind that is that I was not literally not free another night for the next two weeks. Got it. So he was like, how about tonight? And I had canceled my softball game due to the aforementioned back problem And so I was free. So I did. But usually, like Rourke said, I'm not declining that same day date because I don't want a same day date. I'm declining it because I have plans or I have plans to not have plans.
1: Do do either of you have a preference as far as talking and conversation? So like you match, you exchange a few words. They say, let's go out tomorrow night. Does it matter for you how long the conversation is? on the app itself or are you willing to just, you know, go out without having a lot of like context and, and content?
3: I'm willing to go out pretty quickly, but I think the reason is because my opening question typically tells me a lot about whether it's the kind of person that I'm going to like. Um, like I ask a very open-ended question, it's usually food related um, or it's about something in their profile. And the like, dynamicism of their answer and how, you know, funny they are in their answer. Like though, I already have a lot of information very quickly due to the way that I open conversations.
2: Yeah. I similarly like to, I I just want to get in person relatively quickly. And so I like, let's see if we can have a little banter. Let's see if we are both participating in the conversation and then let's, you know, make it happen. And um, I, I think what Allie and I've talked about on the podcast before is you can create a story about who this person is that they are not at all either getting your hopes way up or they somebody can preclude themselves because maybe they're not amazing over text. Um, Lauren, I know a lot of like comedy writers in LA and some of them are- Yeah, and some <laughs> of them are often very socially anxious in person, but are amazing over text. And so as like their friend, they often come to me and say like, I'm not- I have this like incredible text and then everything kind of falls apart when we meet. And I'm like, yeah, that's right. You're creating this sort of impression about what you're capable of. But yeah, anyway, so I I do like to get in person relatively quickly. Yeah. Yeah. I've
3: actually been on a lot of dates that happened immediately because one of my main questions that I ask is we're out to dinner. What shared appetizer are you lobbying for? And many, many men will say what they want and then say, so how do we make that happen?
1: Oh, that's good. Like, it's, it's I, of like it. Why I
3: ask it because it gets you to a date really quickly because you're already talking about being on a date.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's like um, reverse psychology type mm-hmm. stuff. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I agree. Also, I was actually just curious because that's why I go on so many dates a week because someone would ask me out. They have, I'd be like, cool. Then I'll know if I like you after the date. Yeah. So if I'm free. Yeah. Great.
0: Yeah, I agree with the the trying to go out as soon as possible because of the same thing. The longer you go talking, the more of the storyline in your head or you get really excited about it. And then there's kind of more of a fallout if you realize that they're not matching that. And I know you guys just did a video too about kind of the pen pal thing where you're talking and talking and talking and talking and no dates are happening. Yeah, I don't so, right. And why yeah. do you think I, that for our listeners, like, why do you think that happens that people just can't seem to go from chatting to meeting? A lot of people think that talking
3: to somebody is going to allow them to figure out if they're going to like this person. So they're like, oh, I like a lot of people don't want to go on a date immediately because they're like, oh, I need to make sure that I like him or I need to make sure that I like them. And but you, you can't do that via text message. But then it's like once you have this momentum going on text, how do you break them? You know, like at, w- w- at what point you decide to go out and it just becomes this inertia thing that never happens.
1: So this last question, it's not a red flag or green flag, but I, I thought of it today because I feel like it's such a hot topic. They do not confirm the day of for the date. Is it okay for you to confirm the day of for the date? Or do you just show up without confirming? The reason I asked this is because one time that happened to me and I got stood up. So if I don't get a response, I get nervous. I oh never show yeah. Up
3: without confirming.
1: Wow. I would absolutely text. Like I
2: always text, Hey, like see you at seven at this, at this place or, you know, whatever. And if I don't get a message back until like, honestly, if I don't get if I don't, if I hear it like 5 PM, I will often say like, Oh my gosh, I didn't hear from like, I wake up at like six in the morning. I am texting you when I get up. If I don't hear from you before the evening time, I've got other friends. Like I, I'm going to do something else. And so like, I, I am, no, you've got to confirm.
3: I'm a little bit more, I have a little bit more of a grace period on the timing. Like, it's more like, I'm assuming that we're going out. Like, I'm not going to make other plans. Okay. But I, (laughs) (laughs) I'll say Uh, it. I'll say it. (laughs) <laughs> but I do think confirming is important. And like, I, I did it with my date last night. I hadn't, he was working until like right before we were going to meet up. So that's why he hadn't texted me yet. But I just texted him to say like, hey, we're still on for six, right? And he wrote back right away and said, yeah, definitely. I would not have left my apartment until I got that reply.
1: Makes sense. Do you feel like it's okay for the, the woman in a heterosexual relation or couple uh, to reach out first? Absolutely. Okay. Yes. See, those are the things that this is why we need your wisdom, because I feel like there's so many women specifically out there that go, well, I haven't heard from him. So I guess dot, dot, dot. And I kind of want that perspective to change. Like you need to take control sometimes of things, not because the guy doesn't like you or isn't interested in going out, but because he doesn't think that way. He's assuming you're already going out.
3: Yeah. And I think that there's, there is something to be said for wanting to date someone you know, of any gender who is able to take initiative, make a plan, be communicative. But when you're talking about confirming a first date, I don't think we're there at that threshold yet. And that can be the kind of thing where, you know, you kind of suss that out as you get to know someone of, you know, are they the kind of person that is going to leave me hanging all the time? Or, you know, did they have a crazy busy day on the day we had our first date and hadn't had a chance to confirm with me yet? And to your point, Lauren, they just assumed that we were going out because we had said we were going out at this time and they didn't think they needed to reconfirm.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. It's all information. I try to like remind myself that Mm -hmm. like all of the early dating, everything is just information for you to kind of to cipher through and then start making conclusions based off of it after some time.
3: Yeah. And I do think it depends on like when you made the day plan. Like if we, if we talked the day before and said like, okay, I'll I'll see you tomorrow at seven, then I probably wouldn't feel like I had to confirm with him that next day, like a mere 12 hours later that we were indeed going out that night. But I also, am a big proponent of not talking too much before a first date. Like, let's say you confirm that you're going on a first date four or five days from now. I don't like a whole lot of texting in between for exactly the reason that Rourke said that you can build somebody up in your head. So then at that point, I do feel like the reconfirm makes sense.
1: All good points thank you so much ladies for being on we had such a good time talking I mean honestly I could talk about dating every day for the rest of my life yeah. it's just like endless you know we'll never stop I appreciate your perspective today and it was just great having you on
2: it was so nice to meet you guys it was yeah. so lovely. great to meet you guys
1: yeah and hopefully um, you know since we're all California based born and raised in California um, yeah maybe one day we'll all be able to meet up in person and swap a more dating stories. That would be so Love fun. It. How can our listeners connect with you on social so media?
3: Our, so our podcast is called Finding Mr. Height, the podcast. It is anywhere that you find your podcast, Spotify, Apple being the two main ones. Um, and then we are on Instagram at Finding Mr. Height. Um, and we, I post there about my dating coaching as well. But these days, honestly, it's more podcast material because uh, there's so much fun stuff to
0: post about. And that's on Instagram and TikTok. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing and thanks for coming on again. Thanks for having Thank us. Have guys. a great night. Thank Very you. Bye. bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform. And if you feel called to rate and review and share with the people in your life, you think would like us too. for more info on this episode, check out the show notes.
1: And as always, you can find us on Instagram at dope, S-H-T, therapy, pod and via email at dopeshtherapypod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and check back soon for more episodes.